I'm PC Gary Newitt. I'm the coordinator for action against antisocial behaviour for the Chilternville Police Area of the Thames Valley Police. The Antisocial Behaviour Partnership is made up of the Mediation Service, the Police, the Council, the Housing Associations, Social Services, Probation, Youth Offending Team and Revolving Doors and Connections. Outside of that main partnership, we then contact voluntary groups, independent agencies, anybody that we think may be able to help us resolve a situation. The Crime and Disorder Act has enabled me and my role as an antisocial behaviour officer to use antisocial behaviour orders. Now, an antisocial behaviour order is an incredibly powerful piece of legislation. It is a tool to be used, along with mediation and any other resolution, as a way of modifying, helping people control their behaviour. The power of them on paper is that it's a civil order, meaning that the evidence that you supply in court can be third party, so you're not specifically dependent on a victim to give evidence in court. If an antisocial behaviour order is granted and it's breached, then it then becomes a criminal offence and it can be tried in a magistrate's court. If there are more than one breach, two, three or more breaches of an antisocial behaviour order, then it can be tried in Crown Court. Throughout the country, antisocial behaviour orders have been used as a way of controlling youth problems. I personally don't feel it's necessarily always the right thing to do because there are many, many social issues involving children which I think need to be investigated before you get to that level. In the Chiltern Vale area, the four antisocial behaviour orders that we currently have have all been on adults and most of the offenders have been involved in violent acts as a result of being involved in drugs and, and alcohol and they've affected the community beyond belief. Realistically, what you're trying to achieve is that person stopping behaving in that way. Now, going to prison is an effective way of doing it, but it's a short-term way of actually tackling the problem. We will try and engage with that person. We will speak to them. We will tell them that we are currently in the situation where we could apply for an antisocial behaviour order, but we would like to work with them to modify their behaviour. Only one of the orders has been breached. It was breached three times... Prior to the antisocial behaviour order, that offender had been arrested 75 times the year before. In the two years that followed on from there, he was arrested three times, and each time he received a custodial sentence. What we asked the courts for was that the person was not allowed to be drunk in a public place. Nothing more than that. The other three, they've been completely successful. If you deal with people equally and you can express to that person that your main aim is to resolve issues not just to see somebody behind bars then they will engage with you and they will work with you in a positive way however at that stage what we do say is that the situation is serious and we will not tolerate any more incidents of antisocial behavior should any incidents of antisocial behavior occur from this day forward we will record those and use those as evidence for an antisocial behaviour or should they be in social housing, perhaps an eviction. Gordon Hughes, again, let me ask you, are there any statistics which would support that anecdotal evidence that it works? 
my impression from looking across the, the different local authorities and their involvement in such work is that they've actually tried to avoid wherever possible using this draconian mechanism. And again, although we are told by the officer on the recording we've just heard that they focused on adults, my impression in terms of the reading of the Act was that the primary concern was actually with youthful hmm. disorder. As I say, it, it's interesting um, that they've moved away, I think, from what was really a zero-tolerance approach to disorder. I think you got that sense from the tape. Richard Soley, how has it been implemented in your area? We have three antisocial behaviour orders currently. They are actually on young adults, young men, and they have been successful, but I've got to say... When you say, so let me check, when you say successful, successful over how long a period? Over a year, they haven't re-offended. I think that the reason they've been successful is because the antisocial behaviour was stipulated very carefully, and uh, we told the young people what they should refrain from. And, and how did you define the offences that would come under antisocial behaviour? For a start, they're not always offences. In this particular case, the young people were causing very severe nuisance and threatening behaviour in a particular area of the city. And we defined the area we didn't want them to go into and stated that if they did that, it would be a breach. Gordon Hughes, why is antisocial behaviour such an issue in contemporary Britain? Do you think we've got it out of proportion because of newspaper headlines or is it a very significant problem? I think it depends where you live to some extent. But I also think that it's not unique to Britain but there is a nostalgia for a prior time when communities were seen to be stable, warm, inclusive. People knew their place as well. Remember, communities are always places where there are power relations. And I do think there's a strong nostalgia for romantic past. And the present is seen as all is disorderly, all is in constant change. I think that is often overplayed as a concern in Britain. And to be honest, I actually think it's deliberately overplayed by popular politicians. So is the conclusion of both of you, these are quite promising developments, have to be seen, however, as part of, as you say, a continuum. But what about the question of pro-social behaviour, trying to develop that concept? Is that something that's worth looking at? Absolutely. And in fact, in our crime reduction strategy in Milton Keynes, we've emphasised a quality-of-life strategy that we're actually trying to promote quality of life. It's not just an expression, we really mean it. And that does mean reducing antisocial behaviour, reducing vandalism, reducing graffiti, all the things that concern people. But it also has a positive aspect, promoting good parenting, promoting the very values that Gordon was talking about a moment ago. But is there another danger here, Gordon Hughes, a civil liberties point, perhaps, that unless you tightly define antisocial behaviour, it's a very flexible term, mm. and if a policeman you know, could have a certain view about what's antisocial and young people might have another, are there problems there about definition? Which of us here in this room has not, at times, potentially been seen as being antisocial in the eyes of other people? And so I think there is that concern. Remember, these are not strictly illegalities. These are subcriminal nuisances. What's the solution? A tighter definition? Or who's to be in charge of deciding when such an order is appropriate? Do we have to say it's the police? And if so, have they got a clear enough definition to make sure that civil liberties aren't being eroded? I think the police are very concerned that it doesn't get left to them to decide what is civil and what's uncivil. I'd agree with Richard, really. And the wider debate is about the promotion of new forms of civility. Mm. We aren't going to be able to go back to 
the supposedly unified communities. And I think the new civility has to be one also based on tolerance of difference. Mm. And that's, I guess, my concern about this rhetoric of antisocial behaviour. There is a limit, though, and the Home Secretary, Jack Straw, when he was Home Secretary, rightly pointed out that people's lives were being made a misery by severe antisocial behaviour. And I think that you can debate where antisocial behaviour begins and ends, but there is certain types of behaviour which you know is antisocial. The noise nuisance that keeps people awake at night, abusive behaviour, harassment, this sort of thing is antisocial. It shouldn't be tolerated. And I think that there are ways of stopping it. But a final question, how can your society that you're responsible for in Milton Keynes, can it be part of determining what is antisocial in Milton Keynes? Or can this be laid down by the Home Office, a list you must follow? That's interesting. I mean, to some extent, I suppose every society has to decide what its limit of toleration is, what is antisocial. I don't think that the Home Office can lay down a suitable definition. It tried, I've got to say, in its definition of antisocial behaviour is so wide as to be meaningless.